Good morning and welcome to Sport and Life with Sam Kakovich and Leon Wigard. And Sam, good morning to you. Good morning, Leon. How are you, mate? I'm very, very well. Plenty of happening and a very special guest coming up today, a former Australian cricket captain, the hardest job in Australia, they reckon. In fact, twice the Australian cricket captain, Kim Hughes. Indeed so. And what a great Australian. By gee, I remember vividly uh, when he was appointed captain. He was the uh, a handsome, good-looking bloke. Uh, he was the second youngest captain Australia ever, ever made. And, uh, God, he was a fantastic bat. A great and the first first Western Australian to be captain of Australia too, I think. Anyway, we'll talk to Kim very shortly, but a couple of things that I'd like to check you on and see what you uh, think. A couple of the uh, Melbourne clubs are so- thinking about forcing Brisbane, should they make uh, their way through the finals, to play away from the Gabba. Oh, good luck to them. <laughs> Well, what well, about if Collingwood Richmond had made it? Shouldn't they have forced them to leave the MCG? Well, no, I'm thinking. Not... I'm thinking about that. And Richmond, of course, has had the uh, good fortune ever since Graham Richmond organised the uh, the moving from the Jerry Mander. To... The Jerry Mander, oh. Leon. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Anyway, so that's uh, that's an issue. But there, and they also forget, you know, that do you remember when? Uh, the old uh, Brisbane Lions won three in a row at the start of this century, and they were going to win their f- fourth in a row, and they took the home ground uh, ground away from that to come down here and play. I think at Geelong, didn't they, or was it exactly against Geelong, Geelong at the MCG? So yep. they've been badly dealt with in the past. Look, the they, other thing look, about the AFL can thank their blessings that they had Brisbane because Brisbane was the saviour of the season, and they came to the rescue. And uh, they deserve everything they've got. Plus, it is a national game. So, look, we in Victoria have handed them the MCG. I'm just waiting for the Melbourne Cup to be run in Adelaide, the Grand Prix in Perth. We might as well hand over every major event and uh, <laughs> that'll be Dan's legacy to Victoria. S- Sally Cap, Prime Minister? Not now, beyond the realms. Now, Sam, the uh, grand final at the Abba, uh, at the Abba, at the Gabba, and... Um, Obviously, it's going to be a late afternoon or evening match. What do you think? Look, it's been speculated for some time, Leon, that have a night grand final. We all know why ratings and uh, a broader, a, a greater audience. Now, I don't think it's uh, it's a bad thing that we trial at this time. I wouldn't set it in stone, you know, long term, but I, I guess it's certainly well worth the uh, well worth the uh, the experiment. I yeah, think well, it's got, got a lot a of chance. upside to it. And I think it's got a lot of upside, and it'd be amazing what the figures that it would generate. And from our point of view, uh, look, you can have your afternoon functions there. Uh, you know, night grand final's got a lot of appeal. It's got a uh, bit of colour, a bit of theatre. It'd be interesting to see how it does uh, does work out. I'm, I'm all now, for it, actually. Now, Even Sam, I've got a very, a very explicit question for you now. Elaborate. What they've done, uh, what they're doing, uh, is moving that grand final to the uh, later part of the afternoon or the evening, so that the Cox Plate can have a, a free run on their day. Now, what would happen if the grand final was going to be played in the Sydney? Do you think Mr. Volandis would uh, be as courteous? Oh, what a rhetorical question that is, Leon. I'm sure you've got the answer to that one yourself. <laughs> no, I wouldn't imagine he would be extreme. I wouldn't expect him to be benevolent or altruistic. In fact, 
he'd tell you to go and get stuffed in no uncertain terms. <laughs> well, just on the exposed form, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and finally, before we go to a, a, a quick break, um, another Brisbane thing, but Lockie Neal is the outstanding, uh, the, the favourite for the Brownlow. Uh, is there a dark horse somewhere in the field, do you think? Uh, I suppose there's a lot of them, but he's so oh, far look, in front. He is a mole in front if you can take uh, uh, what the tissues are uh, putting up, but there'll always be a dark horse. There'll be, you know, like a Shuey or someone from West Coast that's not immediately in our eyes. We don't see a great deal of them, but uh, you would think he is the obvious. I mean, to say Cripps was well on his way earlier, but he's had a bit of a lull in form in uh, recent times. Uh, outside of that, they're very, very difficult to see. You couldn't see a key forward, even though they've had, a, you know, uh, Hawkins has been good in recent times, but umpires have been reluctant uh, to hand votes to those sort of guys. But they've been the best performed or the most uh, influential, but they're not paid on that. So stats, as I've always said, you know, I dismiss stats, certain stats anyway. But luckily, he's a very talented player and he's the obvious favourite. And there's some great players that have never won the Brownlow medal, including Sam Kegovich, uh, uh, Teddy Stop Whitten. Stop there, Leon. I just afraid to a break now, mate. Ron Barassi, <laughs> uh, Gary, Gary Wilson, uh, <laughs> Paul Rue. Any other Fitzroy players? <laughs> <laughs> no, we've, actually, Fitzroy had a hell of a lot of Brownlow medalists. I think we've, got, we've had about eight. Which is yeah, uh, better than average. All right. Well, I'll take your tip. We'll go to a very quick uh, musical sting. You'll get this. We'll get you tapping along, and then we'll be back with Kim Hughes. Your chance to finish this last drop of Mitchelton. Welcome back to Sport and Life with Sam Kakovich and Leon Wigard. And Sam, we've got a good mate of yours on now from Western Australia, and we do thank him because over there it's early in the morning, or earlier in the morning anyway. Um, uh, Kim Hughes, who is, of course, uh, international cricketer. He played for Australia, Western Australia, and Natal in South Africa. Uh, Kim, good morning to you, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, good morning, Leon and Slam and Sammy. Yeah, great to be with you. My pleasure. Yeah, I, just, great, I, 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 I was just doing a little research. I know that Sam's got a lot of stuff about you and you know each other well. But I hadn't realised that you'd come back uh, to rejoin the Australian team when the unified side uh, after the World Series cricket and uh, that big split up. You came back, made your way back into the Australian team and then, in fact, became captain again. I, I hadn't realised that. Well, when World Series happened, I only played uh, one game, Leon, and I got a very, very good-looking duck <laughs> against England. And uh, anyway, um, you know, they asked me whether I was interested or not. And, you know, I'd grown up my life sort of wanting to play for Australia, and I couldn't have gone back to my mum and dad and said, you know what, I'm now going to go with these blokes because of the money. And uh, I never played any sport because of the money. Um, and uh, I also reasoned that I thought with all the older players gone or the best players, there's a fair chance that I can get a game. So that's that's what happened. And then in, I think it was about 1978 or 79, I then captained Australia on a tour of India. 
as the second youngest captain and still to this day have the record most number of runs ever scored by an Australian in India. And uh, Sam, you're like this. I always have a bit of a laugh when footballers talk about home ground advantage. Mate, when you're playing in Madras or Bombay and there's 80,000 people there and they all appeal and the 11 Indian fielders appeal, but the two Indian umpires appeal, you're in for a pretty tough day. It was, <laughs> it was certainly a test of you, but it was, well, I, I just loved touring to India. It was just a fantastic country. Particularly Sam. those LBW decisions, eh? Outside, a foot outside <laughs> leg stump. Now, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mate, uh, you're the golden haired boy. You're the golden boy of Australian cricket. I remember it, I remember it vividly. I don't know whether you uh, try to ape yourself on Richie Benno, but you had that good-looking swagger about you and you had your collar up all the time. And, you know, you're the pride of Australia. I don't know whether you ape yourself on Richie or not, but Richie was a bit like that. Well, was Richie the, one of your I, I, heroes? No, not really. Um, you know, my hero was Austin Robertson in football. You know, I didn't have any sort of cricketing heroes. I mean, really, it wasn't until Dennis Lilly and Rod Marsh uh, became regulars in the Australian side. There was Graham McKenzie before that, but I, I, I was a batsman, couldn't bowl a hoop down a hill. But certainly, you know, had the collar turned up, that sort of thing, the, the, you know, the, the button's undone. Um, I still don't have any hairs on my chest. I'm a shocker. But, you know, <laughs> he, he, Ian Chappell had that sort of collar up and that sort of thing. And even today, I'll still walk around and turn the collar up. But, you know, I, no, I wasn't wanting to be like Richie Benno, um, yeah, it was just what some of us players did. In uh, just quickly, you mentioned that. Uh, well, I'll just talk about Austin because yeah. uh, Leon, you, I believe Austin Robinson stayed with you when he was in Melbourne, did he? Well, the, co the combination there, uh, Kim and uh, and Sam too. Uh, Austin Robinson is a young bloke. Of course, he's the son of uh, Austin yes. Robinson Senior, who was Senior. the yep. a very fine player and played for South Melbourne over here and a very fine Western Australian player, but he was also the, the world professional sprint champion, so Correct. Yeah. Uh, uh, sort of sporting royalty. And I knew Austin Senior and uh, used to have a couple of beers with him every time he came across here to see Austin. Austin played one year for South Melbourne and kicked, I think, either 40 or 60 goals in his only year. Yep. But uh, he was, a, as a youngster, he was a very promising water polo player. Oh. And uh, he, he visited, uh, he came here in 1960, I think, for the Australian Championships as a member of the Western Australian team as a young bloke. And I was wow. in Victoria. I was in, yeah. I and my brother Keith were on the Victorian side and we gave Western Australia a rollicking. We gave them a real <laughs> workout. And Austin <laughs> Robinson was the bright young bloke and a fellow named Johnny O'Brien who played for uh, Richmond Water Polo Club. Did he straighten Austin out? Austin didn't know whether he was upside down or ass about, I tell you. And he, <laughs> so when Austin um, came to play for South Melbourne the year later, I think, he yep. um, he was staying over in the western suburbs and he wanted to be closer to town. And uh, the Wegard family, well, there were four boys in the family, all sports guys, and, and mum and dad were very sports-oriented. So it was almost a sort of a boy's home. So Austin came and stayed with us for about, I suppose, eight or nine months, and uh, we wow. became close friends. In fact, I've lost touch with him, and I must, uh, I must get his uh, his phone number and ring him. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, he's a great player, wasn't he, uh, Kim? 
Oh, look, he was fantastic, a, a brilliant lead, and maybe apart from McKenna, the great full forward from uh, from Collingwood, um, no one was a straighter kick than uh, than what Austin Robertson was. And I'm pretty sure he, Leon, he kicked 70 goals and came second or third in the BFL in those days, goal kicking things. And he was playing at that is it the Lakes? For yeah, Lakeside. You know, Lakeside, which was an absolute yeah. bloody bog. Uh, that's so he did an amazing job in his only year there, but um, very very skillful. Um, and uh, you know, it's one of the. It's about the only thing, Sam. I think you'd agree that hasn't improved in today's football is you know set shot goal kicking. But some of these sides is just bloody abysmal. Indeed, sir. So. Uh, mate, on, and it costs you games. I know they've got to be fit, but for God's sake, get out there and practice it. You, you know. Indeed, sir. So. Yeah, mate. They have these. Sports science blokes, and there is a there is a need for them, but honestly, mate, you should be spending 20, 30, 40, 50 kicks for goal. And Simple if exercise. That, if you can't do that, come and play tiddly winks with me. Tim, <laughs> so, uh, now that you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned tiddly winks, uh, when you were appointed captain of Australia, uh, yeah, I think it was uh, way back then. I think you're twenty four years of a how old were you? Twenty four. Yeah, 24, yes, yes, yep. I think yep. you're 24 from memory. Uh, you would have been looking forward to a long and successful tenure, I would have imagined. When you consider <laughs> in, your, in, your, in your ranks, you had the likes of Lily, Marsh, uh, the Chapels. Uh, you had a pretty good side. And yet, for some unknown reason, they couldn't quite come to grips with you being their skipper. There was a lot of animosity towards you. And in fact, I think Lily hit you in the nets once and knocked you out, did he not? He bowled short pitch deliveries at you? Well, I can't remember the last time I ever got a half volley from Dennis. But my first stint, <laughs> uh, Sam, as captain was when World Series happened. And then what happened was when we we got back together after World Series, so it might have been 1979. It was 79. Um, yeah, Greg was made captain, which was fine, and I was made vice-captain. But the worst thing that happened was... Uh, in Western Australia, the selectors there decided to make me vice captain and Rod Marsh captain. Now it's not a sort of not a lot of political vote. You, you know, pick me, pick me, pick me. But what should have happened was um, I was going to be vice captain of the Australian side, uh, and and Rod, as a senior player, would have been a great help just to sort of guide me along. But anyway, um, you know, it, it it didn't happen, and. I'm not too sure why, but anyway, I became captain, um, and you, you know, I think it was was it the great Alan Jean said, "I don't expect you to like me, but I do expect you to respect the position I hold." And every time I went into the nets, Dennis would be bowling bounces, and when it was when he said, "Sorry, sorry, I missed you," and other blokes would sit back and uh, have a look Laugh. at it, yeah, yes. you know, and think, "Oh, well, it's all right." But yeah, and then I had to go out and face the West Indies. <laughs> and, they, and they weren't bowling the monsters, but eventually it got to a stage where I just wasn't enjoying what I was doing. And my coach had always said, the day you're no longer having fun in whatever you want to do, give it away. And I just got, well, I got sick and tired of, of you, know, you know, getting out of the way of bouncers and all that sort of stuff. Now, the fantastic thing is, if I had a party today, and wanted to invite six people, I'd invite Dennis Lee and Rod Marsh. Yeah, I'd it's amazing. People. You're both all mates We're great now. mates. Yep, yep. But can I ask you this? 
Yes. Uh, before I get to November 26, 1984, that memorable moment that every Australian knows and saw, do you know in 81-82, your responsible wisdom, I think, voted you number nine, Greg uh, Ian Chappell number four of the best and most courageous innings on Boxing Day against the all-out attacker Roberts, Holding, Garner and Croft, the West yeah. Indian speed battery. <laughs> You made 100 out of 198, batting at number five. That yes. must still hold pride of place and a very fond oh. memory, Kim. It, it, it certainly is. And, look, it, it, I just absolutely love getting over to Victoria because I know there's only about 35, 40,000 people there, but the number of Victorians that have come up to me and said, I was there, there must have been a million of them. But yeah. I, I think they were there in spirit. And it was one of those things, Sam, where... The wicket was diabolical. It was up and down, and it's the last place you want to face great, quick bowlers because you've just got to stand there. Now, coming from Western Australia, we could always play well off the back foot. But anyway, we, we were five for not many at all. And uh, I thought, well, mate, it's time You're to three play. three for eight, actually. Yeah, three for eight. So I thought, well, let's get on with it. And it's one of those things, Sam, I'm sure you can relate to it, Leon, um, is that fortune favours the brave, but you've got to have the gahoolies or nuts to make that decision to say, mate, I'm going to get after these folks. So what happened was, you know, anything short I've had a real crack at, and instead of them bowling just top of off stump, they got a bit carried away. So anyway, I got about 70-odd, and we're nine for about 150 or 160, and Terry Alderman came in. Now, oh. Terry Alderman, I know you've got... Uh, I know you've got rabbits if you bat at 9, 10 or 11, but he was a ferret because he went in after the rabbits. He was bloody hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Terry comes out. I meet him there three quarters of the way to the wicket and said, good luck. And as I turned away, I said, good luck, you're going to bloody need it. But anyway, Terry and I put on, well, you know, about 30. We, we, we finished at 190 odd. So it's one of those things, Sam, you know, if you're playing footy, you're five goals behind, five minutes to go before three-quarter time, and you kick the last couple and you come in with a bit of a, a buoyant attitude. So anyway, we got 190-odd, and we've got 40 minutes to bowl. And uh, out came the West Indian Overs, and either Greenwich or Haynes, I can't remember now, one of them was injured. So Fayoud Bacchus was the stand-in opener, and he was a bit of a cosmetic cricketer. I'm sure you find him in footy. Look good, smell good, but not too much ticker. If you get my drift, hopefully he's not listening. So anyway, <laughs> uh, Dennis knocks him over. Out comes Colin Croft as a night watchman. And we go up to Dennis and say, get into it. Get stuck into it. Give this bloke a bit of what for. But as Crofty went past, I'd say, good luck, Mr. Croft. We never wanted to get the West Indian bowlers riled up. <laughs> so we knock him over. And out comes the great man, Viv, with that swagger and, you know, and... You know, when you're that good, certainly in the Australian vernacular, he had that arrogance and he was the greatest player I've ever seen. But most of other people would think he's a wanker. You, you know, when you're that, you're ahead of yourself. Excuse the language. But, um, and out he comes and we're all in the slips. Dennis has got two or three wickets. And I know maybe your listeners are thinking, well, you, you know, you, you're sort of your professional athlete. But what when you're in the slips... If Greg Chaplett said, who wants to go down to third man, there would have been seven of us wanted to go down there because you thought, don't nick it to me. I don't want to drop the game. Nick it to Greg Chappell. He never drops it. Nick it to Rod Marsh, but don't nick it to me. 
And anyway, last ball, the very last ball of the day, Viv, you could see it so well, just sort of sashayed over, got an inside edge onto the dollies. So, um, and we all screamed off the ground, you know, hind fives, all that sort of stuff. And uh, I suppose, you know, in those days, we used to stay up at the Hilton, just up the road. Uh, most of us were pissed before, after we left the game. <laughs> we yeah. had a few beers, <laughs> and, that's, and that's the way you did. But the great thing was, Sam and Leon, in that game, Bruce Yardley got five wickets in the second innings, and we won the game. And it's about the only time that, yeah, we, it's about the only time the great West Indian side were beaten when the wicket suited them. I mean, yes, they were beaten sometimes on turners, but this suited the great fast bowling quartet. And I, I've often said that they're possibly the greatest side that's ever played the game. And uh, Kim, can I just uh, bring you back to the Hilton Hotel? Yeah. In, 19, in 1977, in that period that uh, I, I was very friendly with. Um, Austin Robinson, he had yeah. the role, of course, of of recruiting guys with um, yes. with Richie Benoit on yep. behalf of Kerry Packer at the Hilton Hotel, and he used to uh, get them into his room and uh, have a few drinks with them, or meet them in the bar. And yep. um, what I mean, what was you must have known that was happening at that time, or did you? No, no, no I didn't. I mean, I went on the tour of 1977, which was very, very disappointing. Uh, as a very young boy, you know, I was only 23 then, and I had no idea, um, you know, what was going on. And it wasn't until a lot, lot later that we, we then found out, and that was back in Western Australia, where Dennis came up and said, was I interested? And I said, oh, no, I'm not, not really that interested. So they steered clear of, you know, young blokes like me, but I, I had absolutely no idea at all um, and uh, and I can't blame, look, fellas like Mick Malone and those sorts of blokes who weren't going to play a lot of cricket. It was a fantastic opportunity for them and certainly those players that had played a lot of cricket, another great opportunity, income, etc. But for, for us young blokes, all of a sudden, we had to play test cricket without all of our senior players. And, uh, you know, you, 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 need, you don't need all youngsters, you don't need all old guys, you need a, a mixture. And it doesn't matter what sport you're playing is, is you know, you, you learn from your older peers and all of a sudden that was taken away from us. So it was a very, it was, a, it was a not a pleasant time to be playing cricket uh, in the Australian environment. And Sam, if I could yeah. just follow, follow that yeah. up if I could. The next year, 78, now I might have, I might have this mixed up, but um, there were two tours, one to England and uh, and uh, the one to the West Indies, of course, which was the lambs to the slaughter one, I think. But there was a, one of the members uh, members of your team in uh, in England in '78 said that you were thrown to the wolves. What what did he mean by that? Well, we certainly played against the West. Bobby Simpson was captain of um, of that side, but um, I'm not too sure what that would have been but we, we certainly didn't go to England in 78 I'm pretty sure um, it was later than that uh, and that was I think 1980 or 81 that was the, the great Botham series uh, ah, okay. That, that, that was where it was and you know that I'll look back at it I've never written a book because you know why would I want to write a book and bring up all this bloody rubbish because it just creates more issues you know now um and, and what happened was 
and this is how bad cricket was organised in those days, um, is that the team was picked to go to England, all right? And normally what happens is you select this together with the going captain has an input. He doesn't necessarily get a vote, but you have an input. Well, Greg was the current captain who wasn't going. Well, he had the input. I'd had no say at all. Now, we left, and I'm not going to say over the phone who shouldn't have gone because that's not their fault and it's not fair. But certainly, we, we should have taken Bruce Laird and Bruce Sharvick, not because they're West Australian, but if we'd taken those two players, we would have won that series. And I had no say in it at all. But anyway, that's for me to, you know, and that's why I've never written a book because I didn't want to bring up stuff, you know, about Dennis and Rod and all that sort of thing because, you know, been there, done that, and we're good mates now. Well, that's the main thing, and it's good to see because I. why were they antagonistic against you? Do you think it was just your position and they were jealous of it or was it purely yeah, envy, look, I think? I, I, I think, Sam, you know, they mostly thought that Rod should have been captain. Yeah, entirely, but, but, yeah. But, but, but as I said... You know, the great Alan Jeans, who I got to know through Ken Judge. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and he said, I don't expect you to like me, but I do expect you to respect the position I hold. And I was yeah. Australian cricket captain. You know, now Tommy, it's not a political yeah. vote. You're not out there trying to say, pick me, pick me. All of a sudden the board says, mate, you're the captain. That's it. Get on with the job. And your responsibility is then to support that person. Not make life difficult. It was difficult enough. We were playing the West Indies. My last 18 or 19 innings were against the West Indies. Jeez, yeah, I, I just know. wish we were playing. I, would, I wish we were playing Zimbabwe Bangladesh. or Bangladesh. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me, Kimbo, when you went to South Africa as captain, you took the side yeah. over the rebel side. Were you somewhat reluctant or mindful of apartheid? Was there, there was a lot of pressure brought to bear for touring sides in South Africa. Did you give that yeah. a second thought because of uh, well, those circumstances? It's a good question. Look, I had said no to South Africa. South African uh, people had contacted me a couple of times and uh, and I said, no, 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 I don't. And I can still remember my place in City Beach. I went up in the room and I had resigned the captaincy and I thought, geez, I'm going to spend a real good winter. You know, I'm going to get myself really fit, do this, do that, so I can get in and, and sort of get ready for next year. So I'd said no to South Africa, and they'd already had 13 players going. Um, and uh, so anyway, what happened was the, um, the Australian side under Alan Border were due to play in Sydney or something like that. And all of a sudden, a couple of the players um, were then, were, you know, going to be pulling out of going to England, you know, because they were going to go to South Africa. And so I remember ringing up and I had a chat with Alan Border and Jeff Lawson, one of the senior players, and said, surely, you, you know, you, you, you can't play these blokes if they're not going to go to England uh, or, or, or they're, pulled out of, they're pulled out of South Africa to go to England. Surely you can't be playing them. Well, Cricket Australia did nothing. You know, so I thought, well, if that's what they think the Ashes are about, why would I want to play for Cricket Australia? So in actual fact, they then rang me back and said, are you now interested? So I was the last person to go on that tour. But it was, wasn't until such time as two or three of the players uh, who had pulled out of South Africa because they weren't going to lose any money and we're going to get paid a lot more money than the other players. 
So they could go to England in, might have been 85 or 86 or something like that. It doesn't matter about the dates. But I thought, well, if, if, if that's what you think about the Baggy Green and that's Cricket Australia, no. Nick. Yep. I think there's two. Yeah. There's two moments in the history of Australian cricket that one will lay in the greatest day of infamy, and that is the South African scandal under Steve Smith and Warner. Oh, the yeah, second, yeah, I reckon, yeah. most sad, or equally the most saddest day, I think, in Australian cricket, occurred on November 26, 1984, when I don't know the pressures that were brought to bear, but I think you did it off your own volition, resigned the Australian captaincy. Yep. That yep. must have been and a I, terribly hard moment. It, well, mate, as I said before, I, I just had no more petrol in the tank. I was sort of having to bat against Dennis in the nets. We were facing the West Indies. My last 18, 19 innings were against the West Indies. And once they got on top of you mentally, you, you know, you just couldn't escape it. But, uh, you know, there was... But were the mental scars, Kim, were the mental well, scars for the opposition or were they from your own? The well, it's a combination. Well, 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 exactly. I mean, you know, it's a combination of both. And and when you when you're going out to toss the coin, and Ian Chappell's having a crack at you, which we get along well now. I, I, I and my coach Frank Parry, bless his soul, had always said that day you're no longer having fun in what you're doing, give it away. And uh, I, I had no more. I was having no more fun and nowhere to turn. I, and I had. Um, there was, yeah, virtually there was no fuel left in the tank, and I thought, bugger it, I'm I'm, I'm going to give it away. I'm only thirty, uh, because it was the best thing for me, you know. And my wife and I, uh, we had three boys that were sort of under five, so life was pretty busy at home, uh, all that sort of stuff. And there was, yeah, mate, yeah. I, I'd had enough. I had enough. Yep. No, yeah, no, there, no. there were there were some brighter days there, uh, Sam. If I could ask him about that, because uh, um, there was an occasion where you were playing against uh, Mike Brealey and his uh, England team here in Australia, and in the second innings you made 129, which was more than the Australian team made in the first innings, all up. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've only got an hour to talk about that innings. <laughs> no. Hang on. But, get, 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 get Dean Jones on the phone. What are you talking about? Oh, oh. Dino. <laughs> Mate, I, he was accepted into the Hall of Fame uh, a year or two ago, and he was over in Pakistan, I think, looking after one of the teams, and he very kindly asked me to accept the award on his behalf. And it's about the only time a Victorian has done something nice to a Western player. <laughs> but Dino, Dino was a, a champion and a fantastic bloke and got treated diabolically. I mean, he, he uh, an average mid-40s and then sort of played one-day cricket but never played test cricket again. And he, he's an outstanding bloke, Dean Jones, an absolute superstar. Can I ask you about yes. another Victorian? Yeah. That I think you might have had a brief other case on the field called Rodney Hogg. Oh, an absolute <laughs> lunatic. How on earth do I say that? Actually, he's seen the light, guys. He's living over here. Did he actually punch it on the ground? The, well, he, he attempted to because he wanted – he was bowling to Viv Richards or Greenwich or something. And, mate, you can only field 11. You can't field 15. And Hoggy wanted 15. He wanted them here. He wanted them there. He wanted all over the place. And, mate, look, I have a bit of a joke with him. I mean, he, he's an only child. He gets asthma. He doesn't want to run up the hill. 
He doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to do this. <laughs> Honestly. But he's a bad, and he and I are great mates now. But Hoggy, Hoggy was a very, very, very good bowler. Outstanding. Uh, you know, but just... A record breaker. Yeah, absolutely. What, 40... Oh, he knows it off my half. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard his, I've heard his speeches and that. But he's got a great sense of humour. But he was a, he was a prick of a bloke to captain because it was, <laughs> mate. We're at Sydney, and he said, "I've got to run uphill." I said, "Mate, there's no hill. Just get in and bowl." Yeah, but I've got asthma. I can't breathe. I said, "For God's sake, give me the bloody ball." <laughs> <laughs> now, now, uh, going back to your early days, you you're a bit like like most Australian kids. You you had to go at a few sports, and you're a bit of a hockey player. And when you first got in the under nineteen Western Australian cricket team, your captain was Rick Charlesworth, of course, who yeah. went on to be one of the great hockey players of all oh. time. Yeah, possibly. Well, at one stage, was number one in the world, but you did. You know, I was born and bred in the bush to the age of thirteen. So, mate, if you didn't play sport, you went to the library. And in those days, the libraries and librarians are pretty ordinary. So you thought, "Geez, I'm not going to the library." Things have changed now. But you know, I played tennis. I played football. I actually in the in the local district in Florian, we belong to the Claremont district. I won the best and fairest. Uh, in the under-18s in those days, and I got a $1,000 scholarship to, to play football, which I bought a car, uh, which was a tremendous amount of money. Um, so I played at Claremont, but, you know, I, I, when I won the medal, I played in the centre. It was a ruck rover, but, mate, I couldn't run out of sight in the dark night. Oh, please, uh, Kim. Kim. <laughs> Kim, please. No. You're talking to a couple of well-credentialed footballers here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mate, my brother Glenn and I would go down the local park, and I'm not joking, not peeing in your pocket, Slam, but we, one of us would be slamming Sammy Kekovich. It's, I've always remembered that nickname, you know, kicking your big bombs and all that stuff. And the other one was the Jet. So he would be slamming Sammy, or I'd be Alex Jezalinko, and we'd be kicking goals around corners, all those sorts of things that you did when you were sort of. 14, 15, 16-year-old boys. Yeah. You picked a couple of good examples there, Leon. Yeah, well, Sam's a fellow Western Australian, of course. I'm a bloody man, he knows that. I've got to watch you guys in your language, too. One's a Kimbo and the other's a Sambo. Can we just get... Leon, the last time, remember, Kim, we drove down with Judgey down to, where was it, Bunbury or somewhere? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. You're on your twenty-second yep, yep. crown lager, I think, before we got there. <laughs> well, Judgey, Judgey loved his crown lagers, so he got me involved. He did in that indeed. Was great day, and you know, Sam, it's it's so sad. It's been, it's three and a half years since he passed away. It on is, his birthday, fifteenth of January. Uh, and, he fought uh, a good fight. He and I, oh, he and I worked together in the corporate speaking side of things, just on teamwork and leadership. And we had a fantastic business. But, uh, yeah, you know, and I think he was only 58. So miles too young. He but, was. Uh, yeah, very, yeah. very loyal. Person. A very, a very good mate. Of, uh, he was yeah, a great yeah, exactly. mate of yeah, yeah. Ross Stevenson from here, uh, who was our number one radio uh, broadcaster, oh, yeah. uh, right. miles above anyone else. And uh, he was very close with Judgey. I, I, I never met the man, but the... Uh, the reps are huge on him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's just a pity he went so early because his last year was not great as far as his health was concerned. No, shocking. Yeah. Uh, 
Can I take you overseas again, Kim, and uh, tell us a bit about most Australians don't know a lot about South Africa. Uh, what was it like playing at Natal? Well, mate, it was, I was captain there for Natal. Mike Proctor was the manager, if you like. And look, the, the reason I went there was that, you know, farmers were selling their, their wheat or wool or whatever it is. Um, so, and I've always believed that there's two things in the world that bring people together. Uh, one is music. You know, you can listen to some music and you're not sitting there and thinking, oh, well, he or she's a this or that or whatever it is. And the other is sport. You can watch a Nadia Comaneci on a six-inch beam and think, wow, you know, just have, have a look at that. And that's the thing, the power of sport. But, you know, when you look at uh, politics and that sort of thing, I mean, it's caused so much hatred and, and all, you know, and religion. So there's Division. those two things. If I could get rid of both of those, the world would be a lot better. So we, we went over and, uh, you know, all of a sudden they had some young African boys who were given an opportunity. It kept the game going. It kept Graham Pollocks and these Clive Rices playing. And the other thing was the Afrikaans community very much into rugby. All of a sudden through Hansi Cronier and Corey Von Zyl and others, um, you know, A.B. de Villiers, all of a sudden they got involved in cricket. So, yeah, we went there and we got paid. Um, you know, the Cricket Australia took away my Provident Fund, which was worth $70,000 uh, without even, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, gave me, just took it away. Said, no, that's gone. Um, so, you know, we kept the game alive in South Africa and it's tremendous now to see South Africa back in the fold, albeit that I heard from someone the other day, Sam and Leon, that they don't have a sponsor for any of their cricket at all. So they're having some tremendous challenges at the moment trying to keep their game alive. But the world, world sport, as far as cricket is concerned, is far healthier when we've got a vibrant South Africa and Pakistan and they're starting to play some games now in Pakistan, which is good to see. Um, and if we could get rid of politics and religion, the world would be a far better and happier place. Yes, fair enough, I guess. Well, As an old Catholic boy, I guess I, I'd have to say that uh, without some religion, there wouldn't be a world. But then again, that's somebody else's opinion. Uh, hey, um, uh, by the way, I, uh, you slipped in one in before I meant to ask you about Rodney Hogg living in Western Australia now. Yes, yes, he is. He's moved over here. Um, and, uh, you know, Hoggy still gets, you know, respiratory problems. Uh, although, you know, he can't believe, you know, we've had days here where it's 23, 24, 25. Thank God he's over here because obviously there's some really, really challenging times in Victoria. Uh, the handling of the COVID thing has been absolutely, well, you couldn't think of more of a stuff up than what they've done there. So uh, he's really happy over here, which is uh, fantastic with his partner, uh, Lorraine. So I see him quite regularly. Uh, he's got a good sense of humour, a very, very dry sense of humour. He's a great mate. Uh, uh, I speak to him regularly. As a matter of fact, he was at Cable Beach last week. I, he rings me regularly, Hoggy. Say hello to yeah. him when you see him, Kimbo. Oh, oh, well, that's right. He was up in Broome. That's correct. Went up there for four or five, seven days, I think it was. So, yeah. uh, no, nah, I, I will, Sam. I'll make sure as soon as I finish here, I'll give him a buzz and just say so you, you pass on your best wishes. Now, I'm going to uh, the rest of that red shortly, Leon. Yeah, so you got the Mitchell in front of you. Uh, I've before got the we let in the print, <laughs> the prince. Oh yes, you go straight to the top. The print. 
Um, Kim, um, you're a football fan. Who's going to win the Premiership? Well, jeepers. I, if I had to make a decision now, I'd certainly say Geelong. Uh, look very, very good indeed. They've got Ablett to come back in. Oh, and once again, Western Australia getting screwed. You know, we've got the best stadium in the world. That By the 24th oh, of October, you know, we, we can get 60,000 people there. We're the Change your Premier, you've got a chance. As, as far as COVID is concerned, and yet we're going to go to an a, a, a NRL place. I mean, honestly, you know. Talk to your leader. Carrying, Talk to your leader. Talk to your Premier. Talk mate, some mate, sense mate, into him. We don't need the borders open because there'd be 60,000 West Australians that will go along. You know, I mean, honestly. It's, it's uh, and your point world. being? We're, we're an Aussie rules, we're an Aussie rules <laughs> football state. We're not they a, wouldn't be able rules. to go, Kim. Kim. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to go because it's a night game. They'd have, they're all on parole. They've got to be in by five. <laughs> <laughs> you hey, Kim. Until now, Sam, you've been intelligent, <laughs> articulate. But that, <laughs> that, Kim, we've you used... Personally, you know what it's like. <laughs> we're, we've taken up a lot of your time, Kim. We really appreciate that being on our... Uh, uh, sport and life program with Sam and myself and uh, yeah. good luck to you in the future and uh, well good luck for the Western Australians we hope you get some sport over there uh, well you've got plenty of sport going on over there we hope we get some here very shortly <laughs> Jesus good luck you've got Jen. mate Leon and Sam an absolute pleasure any time to help you blokes but uh, slamming you're the a champion I, I still remember those days mate okay super Kim Hughes on Thanks, Sport buddy, you're a wonderful life. man